All right. If you are not already, you may be seated. Um, got a couple of, of important things we need to, to touch base on really quick, and then we're going to continue in our series on Abide. Um, we took like a five or six week break. We started kind of early December and shifted gears for a little bit, but we're going to finish a series we did all through the fall on abiding, um, really connecting the idea of this, this ongoing day-to-day relationship that Jesus has invited us into. He said, you're, you're the branches, I'm the vine, you stay connected with me, you abide in me. And then he interconnected that with the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. Jesus sent, when he returned to the Father, the Holy Spirit came to fill all believers so we could have God's regular presence in our lives. And so we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is. He's not an it, he's a who, he's a person that we can know and walk with. And so we unpacked that. Um, And then we talked about some ways that we can grow and develop and cultivate that relationship with him. And now we're talking about how he flows through our lives. The one thing I'm a a little bit bummed about is I, I really strongly believe in the connection between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And so the one thing I'm a little bit disappointed about is when we finished up talking about the fruit, we didn't get to jump right into where we are today. But they, they are meant to be intermingled. The, the gifts of the Spirit operate in healthy, beneficial ways when people who are walking in the fruit of the Spirit are using them. Many of the ways we've seen the gifts abused or broken at times was a direct result of our character being out of alignment. And so, so the fruit and the gifts go like this. And so I would just encourage you, whether you go back and listen to, to sermons or you just dig into the word on your own, I hope you see that God wants our fruit to be something that affects us personally and touches people around us. And then the gifts he gives us can be a blessing in people's lives. And so that's where we're heading this morning. So before we jump into this, a couple of quick things. Number one, Last Sunday was our State of the Church Address. It was our yearly update. We reflected back. We looked ahead. We talked about where we currently stand. If you missed that, I would highly recommend you go back and give it a listen. And if you have any questions, please come talk to us. Um, One point of clarification, it sounded like at least amongst our staff, so if our staff were potentially confused, then maybe everybody was, um, there was a point in the message where I was talking about our finances. Okay, And I said, um, I showed how, our giving had progressed over the three years we've been in existence from 36K our first year in local giving to 125 our second year and, and over 190 this last year. And so we've been moving towards being a self-sustaining church and we are now coming off of support from our home church in Franklin. And so there's still a gap we are believing for this year. We run at about $260,000 for salaries and rent, and um, we talked about money that we give away. And so at one point in the service last week, I said, hey, I was talking about the gap, the $70,000 gap. I said, hey, we've got money in the bank to cover that. I didn't mean the entire budget of 260. <laughs> we've got over $70,000 in cash in the bank. It's, it usually hovers around 80, 85. And so I just wanted to give that point of clarification. So if we give this year what we gave last year, there will be a $70,000 gap. That's what we're believing for in growth this year. Does that make sense? Am I saying that in a clear way? Okay, that's what we're believing for. And so it's a step of faith. We've watched our church grow each year at about that number. So it, 
it's exciting. It's stretching, um, but, I, but I feel like it's a, it's a realistic goal, and so I'm just excited to see what God does in our midst. If you've got questions about that, please ask. We, we want to have an open door and open books, and so if y'all ever have questions, don't be embarrassed to come ask. Um, all right, a couple of other quick things. Um, Thomas, can you just wave your hand at everybody? You guys know Thomas White. We are starting our Financial Peace University class in, is it three weeks from today? Three weeks from today on February 10th. If you would like to jump into that class, you can register online. You can come talk to him and sign up in person. It's going to happen pretty much right after church on Sundays for about nine weeks. Um, maybe you can quickly run, grab a sandwich or lunch or whatever, and then about 12.30, 1 o'clock, we'll start. It goes about an hour and a half-ish. Um, if you need childcare, we've arranged for that to be provided. And so strongly encourage you guys to jump into that. Um, volunteers, I just wanted to say, we've already had some great response. We're preparing our February, March, April volunteer schedule. We've had really good response of people jumping into that. We're finalizing that schedule this week. So if you would like to jump in and serve, um, let us know. We'll add you in. We can, we can use help. This is with the setup team in the kids area primarily. Um, also, if you know in advance, if you're already like, hey, I'm in, I'm serving, and you just know weekends that are bad for you, you're traveling for spring break or whatever, get us that information. Let Christina or Amy know so we can go ahead and build the schedule around known dates that we can't be around. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say, I don't know if this will be meaningful to anybody else. It's been kind of cool for me and Amy this week. Today, the 20th of January to the day is three years from when we showed up in Knoxville, closed on our house that we bought, and moved in. So this is three-year move-in day to Knoxville. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. So I think that's worth clapping about. I've been, I've been, I've been pumped about it all week. It, it was even fun, like, reminiscing. The day is so clear in my mind, not just because we moved to a new town. It snowed that day. We woke up. We were, like, the only people driving in the snow because we had to get to closing at 9 a.m., um, driving in the snow, and then I get a call. Our, our movers um, were in Murfreesboro still with our stuff. They loaded it the day before at our house in Spring Hill, and they had to make the drive that day, and they're calling me going, we don't know if we can make it. And I was like, oh, no, please make it. <laughs> I got six kids in an empty house. Please make it. It took them six hours to drive from Murfreesboro to here, but they did it, and anyway, they're an awesome, awesome group of guys. So anyways, very memorable day. Our kids are running around in the snow on their first day in Knoxville, and it's just, it's fun reminiscing that. So I, I just, I love being here and really like you guys. And so it's just fun being on this adventure together. So I don't know if that was just for me. Thanks for humoring me for a minute. All right. Well, let me pray one more time and let's invite God to come and, and guide us through this today. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would come and be our teacher today. Um, help me to communicate clearly. Help us to understand what we're learning about today. God, help us to have an open heart to receiving what you want to give us. God, I pray that we would have eyes to see things that maybe we haven't even seen before. God, I believe that there's ways you've actually been already moving in our lives and touching us and, and um, touching other people through us. And God, I pray that we, we would have eyes to see your activity and that we would be able to just be in agreement with it that we could say yes to you and to what you have for us. Um, God, help us not to be jaded by bad experiences. Help us not to just stay in a place of ignorance if there's things we don't know. Help us not, not to have fear hold us back. 
um, but God, that we could just come in with open hearts and open minds to see what you want to teach us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so here's how this is going to unfold over the next three weeks. This Sunday and next Sunday are going to be more like teaching. Okay, so preaching is kind of like, you know, I want to encourage you and exhort you. Maybe there's a main point or two and just hoping that, you know, it's like a rally the troops, man, let's go for it. You know, we can, we can do what God's called us to do. We can rally around him and his cause. And sometimes preaching is even just speaking like hope and comfort and encouragement. Teaching is more like unpacking details and making sure we understand them. And so the, the next couple of Sundays are going to be more in the teaching style. Um, I think I know how far we're going to get today, but we'll just get as far as we get and we'll pick up where we leave off next Sunday. But I'm just going to take my time and go through each of the spiritual gifts that are listed in the scripture and just try to explain what they're about and give some definition to them and, and even point you towards some examples. Um, the stuff that we're going through, um, there, there's some scriptures I'm going to read to open things just to give us context, and then we're just going to talk. But I would encourage you to lean back into these scriptures on your own. Also, for each gift that we cover over the next two weeks, in passing, I'm going to mention places where they show up in Scripture, where you see them active, you see them working. Those are places that you could go lean in on your own and read about and see, here's what the gift is, here's how it operated in somebody's life in the Scripture. Jesus, what would that look like in my life? Um, so I would encourage you to consider doing that. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. All right, we ready to go? Cool, we'll see, if, see how far we can get. So some verses to lay the groundwork. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul writes and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So really clearly he's writing to a church and saying, I want you to know about the gifts. Now that word uninformed, it actually has a lot of weight to it. It, it means more than just uninformed. It does mean that. It means, it means unknown. So, so for some of us, that might be you. You might say, man, I don't even know spiritual gift. What is that? I have no idea what that is. Or, or maybe you know a little bit, and this is a, some new territory. Um, God's heart for us is that the, his spiritual gifts towards us would be known by us, that we wouldn't be ignorant to them. But even more than unknown, that word also means um, to not understand. So it's possible we're familiar with these concepts, but maybe we haven't really under, understood them in their fullness of what does that look like? What does God intend for me to have? And so it might be brand new to us, or it might just be an area where God wants to bring some clarification and understanding. Um, a third word that I think is important to be aware of is this word uninformed, it can also mean to ignore. And I actually think there are large portions of Christianity that have either out of their own fear or maybe observed abuses have just determined it's safer to just ignore some of this stuff. And we miss out because we ignore something wonderful that God has. These are gifts from a good loving father that he intends for us to have. And so my hope is that we would, this wouldn't be unknown anymore and that we would have some understanding um, and that we wouldn't ignore gifts that he has, but we would receive them and walk in them. That's, that's my hope. That's God's heart. Um, Paul was already concerned about this with the early church right out of the gate. God wants y'all to have this. 
Um, He also wants you to have it in a healthy way. And so if we skip down now to verse 4, I'm going to read verses 4 through 7 and verse 11. And again, still here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Can y'all say all? All. Can you say everyone? Everyone. Awesome. That means everyone. That means all. These aren't mysterious Greek words that are sort of like mistranslated. Like it means what it says. God empowers all, all the gifts. They're all from him. And he intends for everyone to have, have these operating. So that's his heart. To each is given the manifestation, that's a big word. It means it just, it has life to it. It has, it has flesh on the bones. To give manifestation, in other words, this becomes real for us. He gives manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And then finally, verse 11, all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So here's the idea. There's diversity and unity. There are different giftings. There's different abilities. God gives them to all of us. He intends for all of us to be empowered by his gifts. And they are for the common good. David, that means I benefit because of gifts in your life that come this way. And in turn, hopefully, Savannah, you benefit from gifts that come to me towards you. We benefit one another by being empowered by God in his presence and seeing those gifts bring health to the body. All too often, we've let the opposite happen. The gifts bring discord, disunity. And this is why I talked about how the fruit of the spirit has to be so aligned with this. Um, We make the gifts about us. Either I make it about me by being really afraid and not wanting to walk in them because, man, what if I get it wrong? What if God doesn't show up in this moment? What if, what if that's weird or embarrassing? And so my fear holds me back. Or we have the opposite thing. Me operating in my gift is about me feeling important, about me having a sense of pride or purpose. And it's not about the person I'm blessing or helping. It's about me feeling good about who I am. And so it gets out of proportion, all right? Unity and diversity. Now, I want to give you a way to consider these gifts, okay? Kind of three ways to look at this. Number one, I believe with all my heart that any believer at any time can have one of these gifts show up to meet an immediate need. I don't think this is like a personality test where, well, I only have these two and that's all I got. And the people over there have this one. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to bring into the moment whatever is needed in that moment. If you are walking in care and love for this person right in front of you, and God wants to touch their life, I believe he will give you what you need in that moment to touch their life. Even if it's a gift that's not normal for you or common for you, because it's his spirit that empowers, okay? I believe that. I also believe that there are gifts that are areas of strength where there are certain gifts that do tend to be more common in us. I think there's people that have the gift of help or administration or teaching and there's people who have the gift of prophecy and you see that more common in certain people. I do think that. I think that there are people that, that tend to see the Holy Spirit 
show up in that way. So I, th- I think that is a reality. Um, I also don't think that necessarily means that it will always be that way your whole life. There have been times where I felt like there were two or three areas of gifting that were happening in my life, and then over time it changed a little bit. Um, so the third thing that I think is important to understand is I also think there are times, in fact, I know this, we're going to cover it as we go, where there are specific like, positions God's put us in, positions of, of leadership or just even if it's not an official title, he just kind of puts you in a place where, like this is what's needed in this moment with these people. There's a role that needs to be fulfilled. And so some of the gifts are described as a role. I'm, I'm in this role or this place. And I mean, Alex was kind of saying this this morning, right? God, God equips those he calls, not the other way around. <laughs> I think you used a slightly different word. I don't, yeah, I was tracking with you. I don't know if anybody else was, right? If he calls you, puts you in a place, he'll give you what, what you need to be there. And so, for example, you might be in a position of leadership and there's certain gifts that aren't natural to you, but God gives you what you need because you're in that place of leadership in that, in that moment, in that season, okay? So those are just, that's just kind of a way to view these. There may be a role that you're in where God shows up and gifts you for that role. There may just be general gifts that he gives that just operate in your life. You see them happening kind of regularly and you're able to bless people with those. But then in any given moment or circumstance, the Holy Spirit can give you what you need in that moment to touch somebody's life. We on track? Yeah? Okay, so here's what I want to do. There are three primary passages, three primary places in the scripture where all of the spiritual gifts are listed. So what I want to do is I just want to read through those. Then... We're going to start in Romans. I'm just, I had to figure out a way to to tackle this. And so we're going to start in Romans with the first one on the list. And we're going to talk about the first one. And then we're going to talk about the second one, the third one. There are places where multiple places mention the same gift. So for example, we get, when we start with prophecy in a minute in Romans, it's also mentioned in other places. So I'll say, hey, this also shows up here and here. Okay, does that make sense? So that's how we're going to tackle this. So let's just read through these. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4 are the three primary places that list the giftings. Um, and so here we go. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now over to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now down to verse 28, same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And God has appointed in the church First, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, 
then gifts of healing, help, administration, and various kinds of tongues. And then finally, over to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up of the body of Christ. There is an overview of the lists in the scripture of the way God gifts us to minister to each other and to make an impact in the world. All right, it's a big list. So we're gonna start walking our way through this. All right, so the first one mentioned in Romans chapter 12, verse six is prophecy. Prophecy shows up also in 1 Corinthians 12, 10. And then in a minute, we're gonna talk about the role of a prophet, okay? And that shows up as well in a couple of these passages. So prophecy, what is this? Um, I wanna read this definition to you. It's a discourse that comes from divine inspiration. All right, a discourse, it's, it's something you would verbalize that comes from divine inspiration. God's inspired you to speak something would be the simple way to put it. It declares the purposes of God. So, hey, this is something God is up to. He wants to do. Um, it could reprove or admonish the wicked. So sometimes prophecy is to correct a problem. We're off base here. Other times it's to comfort the afflicted. Man, God will speak a word of encouragement that he wants people to hear who are going through a hard time. And we just need a personal touch from him that says, I see you and I love you. It's going to be all right. Um, prophecy can reveal something hidden. That might mean something you're just not seeing that's right here in the moment. He just wants to open your eyes to it. Some, some clarity into the moment. Um, it also can be foretelling future events. Okay, all of that is wrapped up in prophecy. So prophecy isn't just, I'm gonna predict what's gonna happen two weeks from now. It's more than that. It is, it is God sharing something sharing his heart with someone, and then us opening our mouth and speaking into the moment. Man, this is what I think God's saying right now. Um, really simply, this is one of the simplest ways I've heard prophecy described. At the simplest level, there's two parts of prophecy, okay? There's foretelling, right? Predicting things that are coming in the future. And there's forth-telling, speaking right into this moment. Here's, God, here's something God wants to say right here, right now to these people. Believe it or not, the vast majority of prophecy in the scripture is forthtelling, not foretelling. The vast majority of it is God wanting to say something to these people in this place in this moment. And at times, he gives insight into future things. But primarily, it's about impacting the people right here in this moment. Some examples. 1 Thessalonians 5.20, Paul writes and he says, despise not prophecy. So we're, we're warned, don't despise it. Don't brush it off. Don't let some of the weirdness involved keep us from at least hearing and being open to God. Are you saying something here? Don't despise it. It's easy to write it off. Be open to it. Um, 1 Timothy 4.14, you know, Timothy is one of the young men that, that Paul discipled and Timothy stepped into pastoral leadership. He became a leader. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.14, you became a pastor through prophecy. There were people in your life who saw this in you, maybe even before you saw it in yourself. And they said, bro, we see this in you. We see you as a, a leader, a shepherd. And so we lay hands on you and say, we see this in your life. Step into it. 
So he was, he was called by prophecy. Peter writes, and he just makes it really clear. He says, listen, this whole book, I, I know most of us have like phones or iPads. This book that you're holding, that whole thing is prophecy. The, the scripture that we have was God speaking to people to write down what he had to say. That entire book is prophetic. It's God speaking forth his purposes, his plans, his love for us through his word. And so that's prophecy. Um, Now, one of the things I want to say right here is week three. So if this is week one, and then there's next week, week three, I'm going to spend special time on what I would say are some of the more controversial gifts. Today, I just want to unpack them. But we'll talk about prophecy, we'll talk about healing, we'll talk about tongues, and, and we'll talk about how to have a healthy approach in those things. So we'll address challenges that are there, acknowledge that those are real, but say, hey, we want to step into this. I, I don't want extra stuff, but I also don't want to leave stuff out. Whatever God has for me, I want that, and I want to say yes to it. And so, so we will talk more in depth about some of the controversial ones. I just want to equip you with what these are, okay? Was that, was that prophecy, was that clear? Okay, now, a couple things I think kind of fit within this. In Corinthians 12, 8, it mentioned word of wisdom and word of knowledge. I believe these sort of fit within the prophecy realm, but they're specific. So a word of wisdom um, Let me give you an idea of this word. That word means wisdom. (laughs) It means understanding or insight. It means skill. It means tact or expertise. The idea is practical wisdom and management, including the idea of sound judgment and good sense. In other words, you can have a moment of inspiration where God just gives you clarity on what's the wise path right here, right now. That might mean something very spiritual, it might mean something very practical. Listen, if, if, you're, if you're in charge of running something, maybe it's your household, uh, maybe it's people who work for you at, at a business of some sort, God cares about you in every detail of your day. And as you are, are looking to, to live your life as a follower of Jesus and worship him with your day-to-day life, being a good manager at your job is worship to him. Making wise decisions, treating people well, that matters. So I believe he will give you insight and wisdom into like a hard decision you might have to make in your place of employment. Like why do we check our spiritual life at the door and go spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day working and leave God at home with morning devotions? Man, he's right there in the moment. I mean, Nick, do you want his insight when you're performing a surgery? I want you to have his insight if you're ever working on, on my junk up here. <laughs> I need all kinds of work up here on multiple levels probably. Um, all right, so wisdom, it's, it's, it's skill, it's insight, it's practical direction in the moment. I mean, sometimes we just, we just need God to give us some direction in making a decision. Have you ever felt like that? Like you're at a crossroads and you need to make a decision. It's like, God, would you just speak into this? Okay, that's, that's a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge a word of knowledge is similar to this, but it's just like you just, you suddenly, like you know something or you have understanding on something that you didn't have before. God just, just gives you insight into something. You're just aware of something you didn't know before. 
And sometimes God will do that. I, I, I've got a really good friend um, back in Franklin, and him and his wife had just found out they were pregnant, and they were a little nervous about it, and they were at some conference together. And I think it was even more than one person came up to her and said, you're pregnant. And it wasn't just to be weird and go, you're pregnant, but it, it was followed through with some encouragement. And it, it actually was very encouraging and, and healing, impactful for them, because it wasn't just, oh, you know I'm pregnant. That's weird that God told you that. It was, it was personal from God to say, I see you. I see the situation you're in. I, I see even the nervousness you might have, and I love you, and I'm with you, and I'm in this. I'm in this. Okay, so it's not to impress people like, oh, I've got this knowledge now, but God might use it as a source of encouragement. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's, that's word of knowledge. Now, the role of a prophet, I mean, there are people who just, they were a prophet, all right? I mean, John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a prophet, man. He just showed up declaring, this is who God is. This is what he's up to. The Lamb of God is coming and it's time to repent and get ready. And like, man, that was just his role. There were people in the Old Testament where it was like, that was their role, was, was speaking to the people things they, they needed to hear from God. And so it was, it was kind of a position they walked in. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians 4, it addresses this idea of there being a role of a prophet. And so it kind of aligns, you know, with what prophecy means, but it's, it's someone who's moved by the inspiration of God to speak instruction, comfort, encouragement, rebuke, um, conviction, um, to stimulate, like to bring new life, to say, hey, wake up. And so we can be woken up. Um, it can be someone who speaks concerning future events. That's the role of a prophet. Let me give you some biblical examples. Um, there's, there's plenty more than this. I mentioned John the Baptist. You can see it in Luke 7, 26 through 28. Also in Acts 15, 32 there were two guys, Judas and Silas, who were prophets that were sent to comfort and strengthen the church at Antioch. I, I love that specifically. They were there to comfort and strengthen. Um, I believe one of, the, one of the guys I've loved to read over the years, A.W. Tozer. Anybody familiar with A.W. Tozer's writings? I remember one time I, I got this book of his, and I, I, can't, I was trying to remember the name of it this week. I couldn't get my hands on it. It's in a box somewhere in my garage probably. But it was like this book, it was a compilation of several of his sermons that he'd preached. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so I was able to read through it. And I think it was called Fellowship of the Burning Heart. I think it was Anyways, what I didn't know was in the book, um, there was this thing that used to exist called a CD. Anybody remember this? It was like in this back sleeve in the book. It was... It was old, grainy recordings of him preaching. It was two sermons that he preached. And one of them, he was preaching at a conference to a group of young pastors and youth pastors. And I've never forgotten, he was talking about how as a speaker, he didn't want to just teach right things. He wanted to speak with prophecy. But he wasn't talking about, I want to predict everybody's future. He's saying, God... I want to hear what you want to say to these people today. And I, I listened to that sermon when I was about 23 or 24. No, no, I had just started working full-time at Grace Chapel in youth ministry. I was 25 and I had this little office. And I was sitting there. And I'm like, I'm like bawling in my office. I'm like, God, that's what I want. When I'm talking to these kids, I don't want to just say good stuff. 
I want them to hear what you want to say so it would bring strength and encouragement to them. And we make prophecy something weird. Man, I hope I do that when I get up here and speak. That as I'm praying and preparing, I'm hearing from God. And by the way, that isn't some special thing that's just me. Like, I hope that for all of us, that we, we hear from God about each other. And we go, man, I was praying for Thomas this week, and I just fucking need to encourage him with this thing. And I don't have to call him and go, hey, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but like, we, we make it weird. If God lays something on your heart that you think you're supposed to say to somebody, you know what? If you're wrong, oh well. If you're right, they're gonna know. I don't need someone to tell me that was from God because I feel it. When it's him and I need to hear it, I know like, whoa, God, that was from you. And it, it allows him to say something personal and allows me to receive it from him. I don't have to convince people they just got a word of prophecy. I just need to be faithful to say the word of encouragement I feel like I'm supposed to say and let him do the, the convicting. Let him let it land. And he'll do that. He'll do that. All right. That makes sense? Spent a lot of time on that one. We're probably just gonna do a couple more here. Okay, serving. There is actually a spiritual gift of serving. Um, it's something practical we kind of all can and should do. But man, there are times where God gives us just the special ability to just to serve people. You've probably met one of these people that walks in this gift where it's just like, it just emanates out of them. They just take care of the people around them and the stuff. They're just on it. And so serving. Um, now, here's what I thought was really cool in light of last Sunday. This word serving in Romans 12, 7, it's the same word for deacon. When we were talking last week about the role of a deacon as someone who serves, it's a servant leader. The, the most practical picture of this is someone who waits a table. That's what this is. That's what this word is. Just someone who has the gift of serving. Examples are Jesus himself, Matthew 20, 28. He said he came um, not to be served, but to serve. And he tells his disciples, the greatest among you shall be um, a servant. And so that's the idea of a servant. It's someone who, who just, man, enjoys blessing other people. Have you ever been to a restaurant where the, the waiter liked their job? You know what I'm talking about? They just enjoyed taking care of you. They were friendly. They were available. They wanted you to have the best night you could have that night. That's what this is. It's not, I'm serving. I'm wheeling the tables around in the cafeteria. Like, it's just, man, I get to bless people and serve. And like, it, that's a gift. <laughs> that doesn't come natural. I like to be served, not to serve. That's my natural inclination. By the Spirit of God, I can be the kind of person who likes to serve instead of be served. All right? Helps. There's, there's a gifting called helps. This is a slightly different word. This one is in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. This word seems to be very closely tied to caring for the poor and the sick. So it's a specific kind of serving, if you will. Um, the idea is bringing help or relief, or aid to those in need, all right? Um, the idea here is um, it's implying duties towards the poor and sick. Think nursing. Think nursing. Um, think homeless ministry. Those are, those are examples of how this would maybe show up in, in our world. Um, the example um, that I've got here is found in Acts 20, 38, when Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders 
And he's reminding them to labor to support the weak. And then he encouraged them to remember Jesus' words, it's more blessed to give than to, the, to receive. So the idea is really being aware of those that are less fortunate than us. They may be poor, they may be sick, they may be in trouble, and we're motivated. It's not good feelings towards them, it's action to make a difference and to help someone in their time of need. Got it? Awesome. All right. Next, teaching. Okay, there's, there's teaching um, means to hold discourse with others in order to instruct them, to impart instruction, to instill doctrine. So to just help people understand what the Bible says as an example. It means to explain or expound a thing. All right, so teacher, someone who can explain something, help you get it. Maybe even help you see it from different angles. Take it apart, put it back together. Um, teacher. Um, an example of this is Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 2 uses this word. That's what he was doing on the Sermon on the Mount. He was unpacking some stuff. Um, he told, in fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told people that they should do and teach the commandments. Now, this is an important aspect of being a teacher. We've got to be a doer before we can be a teacher, right? I don't want to attend a class held by someone where they are teaching something purely theoretical that they've studied. I want to learn from somebody who knows because they've walked that road. Y'all with me? When I'm trying to figure out what in the world do I do with my six-year-old right now in this situation, Sorry, but I'm not calling Jacob Shockney and saying, hey, buddy, what should I do with my six-year-old? There's other things I'm going to call Jacob for that he's going to be great at. I'm going to call some mama or dad who's been there, done that, and say, I need some help. Would you help me figure out what to do in this situation? And so what Jesus is saying is if we're going to teach what he taught, we got to live what he taught. So don't get all excited about, man, it'd be cool to be a teacher and help people. Cool. Are you willing to walk that road first yourself? And then you've got something to share. All right? And then what I love about that is Jesus, because Jesus taught out of that place, in Matthew 7, 29 and other places, it mentioned over and over again that Jesus taught with authority unlike the scribes and Pharisees. There were other people that knew the Bible backward and forward, but there was something different about Jesus. He was living it out, and it came to life. And when he spoke, people listened, man, because it was real in him. All right? Let's do one or two more real quick. You guys good? Y'all with me? Okay. Exhortation. This one goes kind of right along with teaching, but it's kind of a specific type of teaching or preaching. Exhortation. This one's in Romans 12, verse 8. It means to call or invite. It means to help or comfort. It means to encourage or admonish. It can be correction or encouragement is kind of the idea. It's, it's inspiring. Exhortation is inspiring. Man, you're, you're in a hard place. I meet you there. I'm not giving the rah-rah locker room talk when what you need is gentleness and comfort because you're beat up, you're worn down, you're in mourning. The flip side is it can be the locker room talk when there's just a bunch of complacency and apathy and what's needed is let's go for it. Okay, so exhortation is kind of inspiring in the moment with what's needed. It's comfort when comfort is needed. 
It's challenge when it's time to say, hey, dude, knock that off, step into this. Or it's rallying the troops, say, man, let's go for it. We can do it. Exhortation. All right. Um, the role of a teacher, the role of a teacher, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and Ephesians 4, 11. Um, I love this because it, it kind of ties in with even how, how our educational system works a little bit. Two of the first words that show up are master and doctor. The idea of a teacher is someone who's really spent time. If they're in that role, they've really mastered something. They've developed skill and ability in that area. And so therefore, they're able to teach with authority. They've got something to offer because it's an area they're skilled in. They've learned it. They've applied it. They've reached that level of master or doctor. And now they can teach. Um, this word was used to describe Jesus over 40 times during his ministry. He was called master or teacher. It was the same word. Um, and just so none of us are mistaken, Paul or someone in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 wrote, um, there's a little controversy over who wrote Hebrews. Um, Hebrews 5 12, we should all grow into being teachers and not just be those that are fed by milk all the time. God's heart for all of us is that we become such experts at what we're learning from him and we're seeing it come alive in our lives that we get to the place where we're able to teach other people. I mean, that's how this continues. Somebody else did this. Somebody else followed Jesus passionately, watched that life become real in them, lived it, and then communicated it to others. And now I'm standing here today because somebody faithfully did that. We are all called to do that. That doesn't mean everybody's gonna get up on a stage and be a teacher, but we are all called to teach. There are all things that we can communicate and we can impact people within our own family and we can impact neighbors, friends, coworkers. And so God wants us to impact people with our learned knowledge and experience and not just hoard it, all right? Okay, so we're gonna pick up with giving next Sunday and we'll just continue through these. Let me pray over us and, and we'll get out of here. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you that we are your kids and you desire to give us good gifts that are for the benefit and comfort of us all. God, I pray that we would be open to hearing and receiving these gifts, to walking in them. Jesus, would you bring clarity and understanding where we need it? Um, would you bring correction if we've ever been off course? And also, God, I just pray we wouldn't ignore this. But God, we would lean into what you have for us, that we'd have an openness to seeing your gifts operate in our lives for the benefit of your people and those around us. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.